Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Talia Bacassis. And I'm Kim France. And welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. Once again, we're in our closets, and this time we're going to bring you a guest in her, well, maybe not in her closet, but recording from her house. We've been a bit unsure of what types of topics to cover during these times, but one of the ones that we had in the pipeline and that feels like it would be right for right now, distracting and fun and relevant, is gray hair. Um, because it's on a lot of people's minds, right, Kim? It's certainly on my mind. <laughs> we had initially been a bit reluctant to do this subject because neither of us has gray hair, but that is no longer the case. <laughs> I've always been gray curious and open to going gray, but not there in my mind yet. I only have a little bit of gray hair, but it is starting to come in more. And right now, I have those especially little weird curly ones that are not cooperating with the rest of my hair. Uh, what's your situation, Kim? Well, recently I was at the hairdresser and she told me that my hair was now about 50% gray. Oh. Um, and so my roots are growing in, in a particularly gnarly fashion right now. And I, you know, I had just thought I would be dyeing my hair for quite some time. And this has given me pause. I don't, I don't think I have good hair to go gray. That's my problem. All of my hairs are those crazy curly ones that you have a few of. Yeah, it's like when you put your hand on the, uh, what's that static ball, like at the science museum? Yeah. That's what they feel like. They're like, you can make your hair go in one direction, but these hairs go in the other direction. No, they're angry rogue hairs. Yeah. So to talk about gray hair, we've invited the writer Anne Kramer. Anne wrote Going Gray, What I Learned About Beauty, Sex, Work, Motherhood, Authenticity, and Everything Else That Really Matters. And before that, she helped launch Spy Magazine. And in the 90s, she was the worldwide creative director for Nickelodeon and Nick at Night. Welcome, Anne. Hi. Hey. So obviously, gray hair is a big topic now, uh, bigger than it was when you wrote the book. 
And for many of us right now, it's not a decision, but a thing that is happening to us. And I think we're all completely aware that it's not the biggest story in the world right now. And there are other issues that are much more important. But I've definitely heard women complain that it feels like a bit of an unraveling. So for you, it was a decision. Can you tell us a bit about how you decided to go gray? When I was 47, and I'm now 64, uh, I went on a road trip with my older daughter, who was then 16, and two other friends. And the two friends each had gray hair. And one of them sent me a photograph from the trip where I was standing between uh, my daughter, who had naturally blonde hair, and one of my gray-haired friends. And I had this just dark helmet of... (laughs) Uh, mahogany brown shellac on my head. And I looked at myself and it was like, you know, one of those moments where you kind of uh, are walking down the street and you look in a mirror and you see uh, like what you really look like mm-hmm. for one of those, those na- you know, nanoseconds. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I look terrible. And, mm. you know, I've been dyeing my hair since I was 25. I had no idea what my hair color actually was. And I just made the gut decision then to uh, try to do it. My issue, if I can just bring this back to me, is that you have really you have really good hair, Anne. You know, it's got well, it's got great texture and it turned out to be a really excellent shade of gray and mine is coming in all wiry and gross. Oh, Kim, 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 Kim. <laughs> you know, I have I have to say that it is it is the one of the single most uh used defenses of continuing to dye hair. And I will say that, and if we want later, we can get into the kind of economics of hair dye and women in employment, because I did a lot of social science experiments when I wrote the book, and that is kind of problematic. But women would come up to me and say, oh, you have blue eyes, or oh, you have great hair. And the truth of the matter is, we all know fabulous-looking, you know, African-American women, fabulous-looking, you know, uh, Latina women, you know, Italians, Brazilians, you Everybody with every skin tone and every hair type can actually look fantastic. And we've been sold, I really deeply believe, a bill of goods by the hair uh, industry, which is the largest segment of the beauty industry, to believe that uh, our natural hair type and hair color has to cleave to a certain norm. Um, and I think it's straightjacketing women. Hmm. So, you know, I think you would look fantastic with gray hair. <laughs> I do. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting. I was having a conversation this morning. One of my closest girlfriends lives in Atlanta, and she's like the rest of us in the world is in quarantine, and she's always been a redhead. And, you know, she starts and runs a social media company, so it's extremely important in her mind to continue to look young. She's 62. You know, we were talking about it, and I was saying, you know, this is such an opportunity, I think, for women, you know, everywhere to let their natural hair color come through because everybody's isolated in their homes. Nobody has to sort of see you as you go through the agony of growing it out. And it is one of the most liberating. I can't fathom not having my natural hair color now. It's like you you gain a superpower, Hmm. honestly, when you're no longer dyeing your hair. And my friend said, I feel you. But I've always been a redhead, and I can't bear the thought of not being a redhead anymore. Well, for her, I can understand, because being a redhead is such a thing and has so many associations with personality. Yeah, but the thing is, it is scary. Like, when I did it, I was 47. I was actually pretty young. And even then, it called up, you know, my 13-year-old daughter said to me, Mommy, Mommy, don't do that. I I can't have an old mommy at school. Like, she was freaked out at the idea that I might be going to the school when she was, you know, in eighth grade with gray hair. Yeah. And so there's all these complicated things about identity and 
sense of agency and self and attractiveness and sexuality and power and grace. Yes, it seems like a trivial topic for this moment of, you know, global crisis, but it actually, I think, is a really interesting window into some of the powerful reset that I hope comes out of these moments of time where people can actually think with sort of insight into what are the values and the things that are important to them. Well, beyond this crisis, I feel like there is now like a desire in women to talk about authenticity and to show a real version of themselves. Like it feels a bit like we're all complicit in this game where nobody knows what a real 40-year-old woman's hair actually should look like. Well, you know, so the interesting thing is that in, so in 1950, 7% of women in America dyed their hair. It was something that, you know, movie stars or, you know, basically prostitutes did, uh, and no one else did it. And then Clairol invented living color. And living color happened kind of in the 60s, and you could dye your hair at home inexpensively and safely. And it happened to coincide with when women started going to work in significant numbers. And so one of the things that I think happened weirdly was when it was first being marketed, women began to associate changing their, you know, hair color in terms of emancipation and freedom and, you know, I am woman, hear me roar kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then what happened, though, over time is the marketing shifted from that. I, you, you would never see in a Clairol ad in the 60s and 70s a woman sitting at her executive desk guiding, a, you know, multi-million dollar enterprise. It was always the housewife at home looking in the mirror, depressed because her husband was off. And it's like, if she dyed her hair, you know, ash blonde, next thing you know, the next shot would be they're in Bermuda having sex, you know, on a vacation. (laughs) So it went in this weird way from this thing that I think was empowering to women at a time when we were beginning to kind of wrestle with what feminism kind of meant to this thing that became solely about sexual attractiveness and nothing about kind of, uh, you know, professional competency or anything like that. And that's where I think we went wrong somehow. Right. And now it's like a prison, like you can't, you have to do it. Well, you know, so, so on that note, I, I did a bunch of different experiments. One of the experiments I did was I went on Match.com with a picture of my um, dark brown hair uh, and I went on in Chicago, New York, and L.A. And, you know, I've been married for a thousand years. And, you know, the whole family was complicit in it. But, yeah. I, you know, I basically did that. And then six months later, I went on with my gray hair with the exact same profile, the exact same information. And three times as many men were interested in going out with me and younger men with my gray hair than with my dyed hair. That's amazing. And yeah. I, I was on Good Morning America and they repeated the experiment when I was on and they had the same results with multiple women. So what it demonstrated on some level was we women have become our worst enemies uh-huh. in terms of allowing the greatest breadth of look and profile that we can have because we believed these marketing campaigns somehow. And it goes back, Kim, kind of to that But you've got good hair, you know, because the only women you see are, you know, the beautiful 
uh, kind of Elle McPherson hairs. You don't see normal women in advertising either to sort of say every woman's hair is beautiful, you know? I think it's the kinky ones that make us nervous. But then does that settle somehow? Like, did you have the ones that are, I don't want to say they're pubic, but you know, they're like pubic hairs. Like they, 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 you know, they do settle, you know, and they're all different. And I mean, when I first, when I first did it, I thought I'd have, you know, kind of like great white hair and look like, you know, Storm in the X-Men files. But in <laughs> fact, it turned out looking more like uh, steel wool uh, in color. Yeah. And that was a little disappointing to me. But then what's awesome about it is, is that, you know, now uh, almost 20 years after I did it, Every day, it's a different color. Now I am almost all white, but, you know, it's just transitioned over those 20 years to be, you know, silver and pewter and, you know, Mm. alabaster and pearl. And, you know, it's just, it's rich with vibrancy and light. It's so interesting because I'm thinking about what you said about the advertising campaigns for hair color back in the 50s and how at the time that was looked at as like the confident move to color your hair was a very confident thing to do. And now I think the most confident move you can make is to go gray. One of my favorite designers just went gray, Maria Cornejo, and she looks fantastic. Well, see, every, honestly, every woman looks fantastic. I mean, when you see, you know, whether it's Emmy Lou Harris or Jamie Lee Curtis, there are a couple of women, you know, in the public eye who have gray hair, but none in politics. You know, I was on right. Katie Couric's show back when she had her, like, daytime show, and she wore a wig, a gray wig for an entire week, and she looked fantastic. But does she hmm. do it now? No. You know, representation matters in everything, whether it's sexual identity issues, whatever it is. The more you see people, you know, Devil Wears Prada, Meryl Streep playing Miranda Priestly or whatever her name was in the movie, you know, she was powerful. I go into most rooms now and I still, people will remember me. They may not remember my name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's the one with the white hair because no one else has it. Right. And so if we all are actually craving kind of, identity and sort of a sense of self that uh, communicates your hair color your natural hair color can do it and it's why I sort of say it's like getting a superpower because it is yours alone no one else will have it mm-hmm. because of all the textures and layers you know I still have brown hair in my hair even though it reads white but it's almost like the thing that you were saying at the beginning that when you dye your hair you get that helmet effect because the whole all the hair is the same color and yeah. you mentioned in the book as well that when you're dyeing your hair, you're not actually fooling anyone. You still look your your age, but with darker hair. Yeah, yeah. I did another experiment. So I, w- I uh, took pictures of a bunch of 30-somethings, 40-somethings, and 50-somethings. And then I sent them to 600 people. Half the people got pictures of the, of the people with their hair dyed, and half the people got pictures of the hair other than me, photoshopped to gray. And um, I asked people how old they guessed they were. And so, as I said, when I did this, I was 47. When they guessed I was 47 with my gray hair and they guessed I was 46 with my dyed hair. Hmm. And everybody else in the experiment, except one woman who had a really appalling haircut, (laughs) it proved to be the exact same thing. So it is this, in the research that I sort of did, people have in their mind's eye the period in their life where they feel like they looked their best. For some people, it's 16. For some people, it's 25. For 35, 40, whatever it is. And that look, that color, that thing is what people gravitate to, fall back to uh, as their kind of comfort zone, their place of, you know, happiness. And it, it, it genuinely 
does not allow for personal growth. Right. <laughs> you sort of get stuck in that image of yourself. And, you know, Betty Friedan wrote this incredible book called The Fountain of Age. And one of the things inciting a lot of the research, and, you know, this is a while ago, is that the people who actually were comfortable with their biological age live longer. Hmm. Think about it, right? Hmm. That's a powerful thing. You know, I sound like a zealot, and I suppose I kind of <laughs> am a little zealoty, but, but it's like one of the things I found, I used to have to dye my hair like every three weeks. And one of the things I discovered when I quit dyeing my hair was instead of me thinking about myself all the time, like, oh my God, are my roots showing? Oh, I can't go on this trip because I got to get my roots done. Oh God, that benefit, you know, just, it was this constant, chatter in my brain about what do I look like? Mm. Eliminating that allowed me, like, first, just freeze up massive amounts of bandwidth in your head. But secondly, everything became about the other person. I was able to actually, like, engage in conversations without having some, like, you know, sidebar commentary going on about whether my roots were showing or did I have that dye shit around my temples. Just all that just disappears. It just... Well, it's so fascinating because it's just your hair we're talking about. We're not talking about your face. We're not talking about wrinkles. We're not talking about any other aspect of your appearance. But changing your hair and letting it become natural had yeah. that kind of a profound effect on you. I mean, hair sure. hair is that yeah. important. Hair is everything. Do you guys remember that Fleabag clip? Hair is everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. She's my goddess, actually. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> But the scary thing is, the other thing I did was I thought, okay, well, why are no women in CEO suites? Why do none of them have gray hair? So I went back to Headhunters, pretending that I wanted to get back into the executive game. And all of them were like, huh, hmm. yeah, um, you know, you might be getting answers if you were going on an interview that you're just not a very good cultural fit, which would be code for you read old. Right. Um, so, ergo, you got to dye your hair or you're never going to get a job, which is kind of why at the beginning I said, let's say you're a single parent and everything is falling on your shoulders. I believe it would be too great of a risk for the majority of women to think that they could have gray hair when they were going into a competitive marketplace, like my friend in Atlanta with the red hair who believes she has to have it dyed not only because of her identity, but because she's in social media. And like, if she looked in her mind like she had white hair and was elderly, then she wouldn't get the work that she gets. Well, that pressure is real. 100% real. I'm 56 years old. I have other friends my age who are getting all sorts of answers, like the one the headhunter gave you, that are code yeah. for you're too old. Yeah. It requires, you know, and I think the Miranda Priestly Devil Wears Prada example is actually excellent. I think if you have gray hair and you are in a competitive professional marketplace, I think you really have to up your style game on some level. You have to have a good haircut, you know, as your sort of tool to sort of differentiate yourself. You have to kind of think about your clothing. And the other thing I found was like, you need to kind of do a full body assessment yeah, and sort of think about your posture, think about your vitality levels and how you communicate them. Think about the palette that you have. Some people are, you know, yellow toned gray. Some people are blue toned gray. You figure it out and then 
compensate with lipstick or a scarf around your neck or something to bring vibrancy, you know, into your uh, presence. Yeah, because you talked about that in the book about, in your case anyway, needing to change your wardrobe once you went gray. Yeah, no, I, I used to wear when I had my mahogany helmet, you know, kind of olives and russets and, you know, earthy tones, which seemed in my mind to go with those colors. And now I wear blues and blue-toned reds, blue-toned greens, grays and whites predominantly. Interesting, because it changes your whole palette, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. What else changed when you went gray about your appearance? Well, you know, I vacillate. So I didn't have the courage to cut my hair off when I went gray. In hindsight, I really wish I had, because it took me 18 months to grow it out, and that's a mess. (laughs) Now I... Partially, I want to be kind of Renata Adler with a long gray braid in my back, you know, right. or, you know, J- Jane Goodall or something. And I'll get my hair a little below my shoulder length. And then I think, oh, fuck, I look like Willie Nelson. <laughs> and, I, and, and I have to cut my, and I have to cut my hair. So, uh, you know, I one day I will get to the like, you know, maybe when I turn 65, I'll be like, OK, I can I can rock the long gray braid now because fundamentally I just I don't really wear makeup anymore. I, to me, it's all about activity and movement. And that's, that's how you sort of stays in your body and kind of uh, projecting a youthful attitude. Hmm. Right. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So, I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks 
more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. Welcome back to Everything is Fine. I was intrigued by your point that gray hair is a form of public nakedness. Yeah. Well, it's here I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, how often have you walked down the street, particularly in Manhattan, and just, you know, we'll say the Upper East Side for the sake of argument, and you're walking behind a woman who, you, who reads in your mind 30, 35, 40, and you come up and you get next to them and you realize, oh my God, it's the crypt keeper. It's like <laughs> there's this sort of illusion that happens. And when you actually walk into a room with your natural hair color, you're sort of broadcasting. I am basically over 50. The, the rule of thumb is 50% of all people will have 50% of their hair gray by the time they are 50. Mm. Some outliers go young. My younger daughter is actually going gray now. Her older sister, who's only 18 months older, has no gray. You know, so some some go younger. But the majority of people, like you're saying, eh, I'm 50. Take it or leave it. You know, I find that I have become much more vain as I've gotten older. And it's very intriguing, the notion of doing something that could put that in reverse. Yeah. Honestly, I cannot... It's really hard to communicate how deeply enriching and empowering it really is to not dye your hair. <laughs> I never in a million years thought doing nothing, you know, not doing something would be one of the most important things I could do to nourish who I am ever. I'm getting very so, convinced. <laughs> I know. You make a strong argument, Very Anne. convincing. It's hard getting there. It requires critical thinking. It requires actually assessment of, am I happy with where I am in my life? It is a catalyst for self-reflection, which is why I said this moment, you know, where we're all forced into deep self-reflection and thinking about values for society and, and trying to sort of sort through where things went wrong, perhaps in the last... 30 years in the social construct. This to me is one piece of it that is singular about an individual's own self and identity, but has larger, I think, ramifications. You know, imagine a world where everybody was empowered to simply present themselves to the external world and not have that look be value, but your contributions or your ideas or your creative output, mm. like not having to have your hair color in any way influence the assessment. And if everybody did it, you know, we will be then saying society matters more to me than my individual freedom right now. I'll get my freedom in other ways. Oh, ha, letting my hair be its natural color. Mm. Now, I've noticed, um, and I'm sure you're encouraged by, because I know I am, seeing older women in some campaigns, companies like Madewell and Anthropology have older women on their websites now modeling clothes. The gray-haired yeah. gray women always seem to be a particular kind of gray-haired woman. 
um, with like long curly hair. Yeah, well, I'll tell you something very funny. I've just been signed to an agency. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm now I'm now represented by an agency called We Speak Models, and uh, I did my very first modeling gig in my last for a long time, uh, actually on uh, March 13th hmm. um, for a company called Beekman 1802, and. One of the interesting things, going on the calls, uh, my very first one, I went to a, a agency, you know, a casting agency for a casting call um, for an eyebrow product, which I thought was hilarious. But, uh, and when I walked into the thing, the people, there was like this 17-year-old, you know, seven-foot-tall, insanely beautiful Brazilian girl waiting outdoors. I go in, there's a, you know... 20-year-old Lithuanian girl who's like six feet tall, gorgeous girls. And then I walk in and I'm like, huh, I've never done this. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, But then I walked away and I thought, I have a huge competitive advantage. There are a zillion of those (laughs) insanely beautiful girls going on casting calls. I don't think there's that many of me out there. They were also casting for some Father's Day thing, and so there were like 40 insanely handsome, <laughs> like 35, 45-year-old men waiting in this room. And I thought, well, now th- this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this makes it worth it. It's so interesting since you brought up men. I mean, I think that one of the most attractive things a man can be is prematurely gray. True. Definitely. True. Definitely. You know? And except pitifully, they're all being targeted now. I mean, most of the newscasters are lame and, you know, dye their hair. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, there's the Anderson Cooper, or there's the George Clooney around. But they're being targeted because the hair color segment of the hair segment of the beauty industry is now saturated. Mm-hmm. So they got to find a new market. And they're targeting men with products called stuff like camo, <laughs> you know, masculine hair dye. Well, this was a fascination. You, in the book, you also talked about the math. Like, how much money did you find you were spending oh, on getting your hair dyed? Just appalling. Yeah. I mean, uh, for the 25 years I did, I figured it ultimately rounded up to like $65,000. Now, you know, no one ever has that in one swell foop. But uh, I thought, well, if I had just invested that money somewhere over time, uh, wouldn't that have been clever? <laughs> <laughs> But instead, it just washed down the drain, literally. I mean, it feels like a strike against women. Like, we've talked about this on the show before. Like, the professional women who have to spend so much more time on grooming and appearance than the men in their industries, it keeps a part of women's brains occupied with these superficial things. Definitely. And I also, again, in my research, I, I did a lot of survey work in all parts of America. And you know, in from the advertising world, C and D counties, kind of the more rural areas where women, it was as important to them to spend roughly the same amount of money that women in urban centers were spending to have their hair dyed. They would give up going out to dinner with, you know, for a celebration or going to the movies. They would give up almost anything rather than give up their hair dye. And they also spent more time at the hairdressers than they did actually having sex. So, you know, uh, (laughs) there you go. I just thought of this story. um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I was getting a mammogram. And it was before I colored my hair. And the nurse looked at my chart and she said, oh, I can't believe you're 46 years old. You look so much younger. And I was like feeling good about myself. And it was a nice moment Mm -hmm. to feel that way because my tit was in a vice. And then she (laughs) goes... 
Oh, but wait, I just saw the gray. Uh. Yeah. We have to liberate ourselves. And as I say, some women will still want to do it, and that's great. I just want people to be conscious of the choices they're making. Like, So my daughters, one bleached her hair, the kind of Debbie Harry white blonde for a while, and the other one, you know, put you know, purple streaks in her hair. And that's fun. When you're, when you're a young person and you're trying to sort your identity, trying on different things with something that's not permanent is great. It really helps you sort of sort through who you are and how you want to interact with the world. It's when you get older and you just keep doing it because you think it's the only thing you can do. It's like people who stay in jobs too long on some level when they know they shouldn't. It's just like, it's hard to make the change. It's scary to make the change. But once you make the decision, it is powerfully liberating. Hmm. Now, your book came out 10 years ago. Yeah. Surely you've seen seen a shift in that time. Not so much. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, again, I don't see women in boardrooms. I don't see any of our senators, you know. It would have been impossible for Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren to have had white hair. Right. Just impossible. Hmm. And both of them, all female candidates, figured out their uniform so that they at least prevented their clothing from becoming a distraction. You know, in the same way I think Rachel Maddow is a genius, that she just she got her hair cut, she got her black suit, she's done. It just doesn't get in the way of anything anymore. Right. And, you know, that's the beauty of fundamentally men in their suits, you know, uh, men in their, you know, Patagonia fleeces. They, uh, they have their uniforms and it can then be about ideas. And we should get there. Yeah, when I was at when I was at Condé Nast, I used to look at the GQ guys and be so jealous because they just wore a suit every day. Yeah, so simple. No. Yeah, and you have your casual uniform and you have your you know fancy uniform. <laughs> and basic, you know, basically that's where I've gotten to in my life now. I pretty much have like three profiles of stuff I wear, a couple of crisp white shirts, you know, great flats. Done. <laughs> I just don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> I just. Who cares? It's also, you know, the gross consumption, you know, eh, God, is. <laughs> but have you seen, like, a few of my friends have turned me on to, on Instagram, there feels like there's some kind of movement. Um, there are accounts, like there's an amazing one called Grombre, and people using hashtags like Silver Sisters or Silver and Free or even just Gray Hair. And you scroll, and there are just so many women in various stages of growing out their hair and seeing all of them together is actually very powerful. And it, and it makes you feel like more women are going gray. Oh, I think there probably are. I mean, you know, there's, a fa- there's Facebook groups. There, at one point, a bunch of us who had gray hair would get together for a luncheon in the city. And it was fun. There were like 20 <laughs> of us. And that was always fun to be in a restaurant with all 20 of us with gray hair. That was kind of exciting. <laughs> but still, you just you don't see them in high, high profile positions. And until we give and tell those women give the rest of us permission to do it and still be powerful in the extra you know Christine Legrand you know the English and the French do a better job of it than we do the is for Americans we lag in some darker zone what would you say to encourage somebody who's feeling insecure about her hair going gray now well on the insecurity front you you don't know till you try so i i would say this is a really safe time 
in which you're not going to be out in the public eye that much to experiment with it and see what it's like. So I would say just see what it's like. Worst worst thing is, you know, two months from now when we all reenter the, <laughs> you know, the external world. God willing. Yes, God willing. But, you know, when that happens, uh, y- you can diet back. I mean, seriously, it's, it's the worst case True. scenario. And the best case scenario is you, you begin to realize, I didn't need this anyway. Why was I taking up my time and my money and my bandwidth in my brain? Yeah. Like, huh. Mental energy. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot of mental energy. Well, I ordered some temporary hair color, like root touch-up stuff, and I just found out that it shipped. It was on back order, of course. And yeah, now I'm yeah. really curious whether I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. I literally well, feel like I, I have a completely different attitude after this phone call. <laughs> I, I hope you find that way. It's really, you'll find yourself, as you think about it, seeing the women who have the gray hair and kind of doing a check and thinking, would I want to look like that person? Or does that seem like it feels good? And my um, sister-in-law went to her like 50th college reunion not long ago. And uh, she said half the women were there in horrible high heels and their dyed hair and decked to the nines. And the other half of the women were basically there in their merrells with their hair not dyed. And the women who were in their merrells with their hair not dyed were having a blast. They Mm -hmm. were dancing, they were hiking, they were going all over the place, they were laughing. It was just a hoot. And she said all the women in their incredibly uncomfortable high heels and kind of dressed to the nines were like stiff and kind of anxious looking the entire time. And I think it's a gross generalization, you know, and I know I've made a lot of gross generalizations in this conversation, but, (laughs) you know, if you're comfortable in your skin you radiate greater happiness and greater self-confidence. You just do. Yeah. Yeah. Still, <laughs> it's just hard, you know. It's, it's, it's a hard one. It's scary. It's, it's really scary to say, you know, when the horizon line coming at you is so close, and when you're certainly my age, but definitely, you know, Kim getting your age, and Tally, I don't quite know how old you are, but, you know, 46. you have less time ahead of you than you do behind you, almost certainly. So how do you want to spend that time? I was in a long-term relationship that ended recently, and, of course, I'm not doing any dating now, but it it's a thing I think about. And your Match.com experiment is very encouraging but it's you know in the world of online dating it's so mercenary yeah but see i think again as nearly as i can tell if you fit the basic package let's say whatever it is that the other person is looking for and i have no idea what that would be but if the basic profile and looks and interests are sort of there the person you might be dating i think really doesn't care about whether you have gray hair or brown hair and i think that they probably think if you have your natural hair color that whatever is going on with them which is equally probably problematic in their minds you'll be kinder to them about you'll be more kind of forgiving and relaxed in terms of just the interactions and frankly i think that if the person does care whether you have dyed hair or not would be one of those like this is not the person I really want to spend my time with. Right. We're all going to be home in our, you know, sweats, <laughs> you know, with our makeup off half the time. You know, it's like right. they're either going to dig you waking up next to you in the morning in all your baggy-eyed glory, or they're not. Now, can we talk for a minute about Hollywood and the whole the entertainment world? Because that chapter in your book felt especially bleak to me. 
Um, it is bleak. Have you seen any shifts there in the perception? Nope. nope, I haven't. I mean, you know, you'll occasionally see Meryl Streep go up to get an award and you think, huh, did she let her hair go gray? <laughs> or is it just, does she have some like blonde highlights going on in there? And then you'll see Diane Keaton and you think, whoa, Diane, <laughs> your hair is gray, but what the heck is going on with the long coats and the gloves, right? <laughs> you know, so it's like, no, there's no change. Right. And what's going you know, to make the change? Just enough of us doing it? A, a worldwide pandemic that causes us all to go yes. gray? Can you imagine if every woman walked out of their house in six months with their natural hair color, how revolutionary that would be to the world? How big of like a dawning of the age of Aquarius empowerment <laughs> moment that would be? Yeah. It would be gigantic. Really, like tectonic earth shaking. We reject your narrow-minded definitions of beauty. That's very empowering, Anne. Age is not a negative word. We should, we're lucky, right, to be alive this long. Mm -hmm. Wisdom matters. It has value. Fuck you, 18-year-olds who don't have disposable incomes anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, it's so upside down. You need somebody to shake you out of it sometimes to remember all the stuff that you do that is just filling in the blanks because the industrial you know commercial industrial complex has told us we need that in order to keep shareholders happy well again fuck you Hmm. no you don't i mean i still even through all of this and part of it is because i'm on facetime half the day or zoom calling people but i put on makeup every day and not only put on makeup i've been putting on perfume every day Oh, well, that's kind of nice. I think yeah. perfume's good. I put on perfume, but I do it for myself because I like the smell of it. I, and I do find the FaceTime neck situation. I do I do think of Nora Ephron. Oh, God. Um, yes. You know, when, I, when I look at my neck, I think, wow, that is, whoa. I, you know, because you don't really check your neck out that much if you're just like washing your face in the morning. We talk a lot about our necks on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and off the show. I would rather... You know, and it's also as the mother of daughters who are now 30 and 31. Wow. You know, I would rather present a, a notion of what it means to age as a woman to them that doesn't make them feel bad at 30 about how they look. I think that there is a direct through line between what we say to the younger generation and how we comport ourselves. I, just, I do. There are so many good endings to this conversation. I don't even know how I'm going to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, I'm like, oh, that'll end up be the ending. Oh, no, that'll be the ending. That'll be the ending. (laughs) I will say there'll be moments if you do decide to do this in the next couple of months where you're going to cry, where you're going to think, oh, man, Mm. this is hard. Oh, Mm. ooh, I don't like thinking about this. I don't like thinking about my death. I don't like thinking about the fact that maybe I have 10 years ahead of me, if I'm lucky. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's not end on that. No, that. <laughs> but I, but I, what I'm saying is, the more you do that, the more you make the decisions in your day to day life that keep you in the present and like doing things. It's a clarifying tool to eliminate the chaff and just keep the wheat in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you, Anne. This yeah, thanks a lot, Anne. This really, has been great. Yeah, very thought-provoking. I'm happy to be your um, sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> like an AA. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'll, be your, I'll be your sponsors as you go great. Yeah, I'm going to email you every few weeks. Yeah, but it, and truly, I just feel like this is a really big global moment for uh, change. I hope so. 
So Anne, how should people find you? You know, I have my Instagram at Anne Kramer on Instagram. I have my company that I started with my daughter Lucy called at wildandrare.com, which is, you know, creating products to help, you know, biodiversity and climate activism. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Kim France and Talia Vacasis. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're really grateful for the nice reviews so many of you have left so far. If you have suggestions for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is EIF Podcast, and you can find me on my blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.